Welcome to episode 68 of the Baseball 365 podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of the show and host of the or admin for the Baseball 365 Facebook group. My co-host and fellow admin, Andrew McQuiston, you can follow him on Twitter at AMCQ82. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. This is part three of Andrew and I breaking down the NFBC ADP on starting pitchers. And on this episode, Andrew and I are going to break down the end-game pitchers that we like at the end of the regular rounds and the reserve rounds. And we're going to take some listener questions at the end of the show, too. So I appreciate you all, and we'll pick up where we left off in the last episode. Thanks. All right, I'm not going to read all these guys off to you, Andrew. There's too many of them. I'm just going to touch on a couple of the highlights, and you can tell me anybody you want to talk to about this list because you've got it in front of you. But um, I see Chris Archer's name in here, Dallas Keuchel, Dylan Bundy, Garrett Richards, Michael Kopech. And let's see, moving down, Mackenzie Gore is also on here. So... Who are on this list of these 20 pitchers are your late round flyers? One of the guys I mentioned or anybody else who I didn't mention that's on this list? Uh, it kind of depends. When I'm down here, it's it's kind of a little bit like, have I taken my absolute flyers yet? Or do I need more innings? It, you know, you kind of have to shape it to the rotation that you've built. Uh, I, of the guys on this list, I think I've got, I know I've got Yarbrough in a league. I've got Archer in a league, which I'm not thrilled about, but (laughs) I've got, uh, Richards in at least two. I know you've got some of him and Stripling and Cueto. So those are kind of the guys that. I've drafted so far, or some of those are dynasty shares. Not all of them are redraft, but I like, uh, man, I got a feeling about Bundy. I, I, I want at least one or two. I, I'm going to try and get him in this draft. I don't know. It's like one of those things where change of scenery. We know he has talent. I mean, any, any pitcher getting out of Baltimore, it's almost like, you just wash your hands with that, and you move on, and you just see what happens. If he doesn't do it this year, I'll, that's it. You know, it's done. But I'm willing to give him a shot, especially here. It's like 281 overall, whatever round this is. Like, can't even do the math in my head. Round 17, is it something like that? 16, 17, 18? Uh, I mean, 18. 18 or yeah, 19. It's just, uh, I, I know that he's been somewhat trendy for some people. I'm not saying I would go too much higher than this, but I could see um, I could see him coming out of the gate hot and being like a guy who does really well in April, and then you just see how he does over the course of the year. But I don't think it hurts you too much here. Def- I like Richards. I know you do too. And I don't know. I mean, there's just it's a big list here. Gore, obviously, we love Gore. I don't know how much. I love him for this year. I don't, I've heard some people say they think he's going to break camp. I don't really see that, but 
I mean, it, it all it takes is one announcement, and bam, that's what it is. But I don't know. I, I don't. I feel like it's going to be like midseason before he's up. Maybe that'll be wrong. Obviously, when he's up, he's interesting right off the bat. I don't know. Any thoughts on any of these guys? Well, for starters, when he debuts, I mean, when I look at the rotation of Paddock, Richards, Zach Davies, Lucchese, Lamette, I'm not saying that that's a great rotation, but it's also not one where I'm like, okay, there's a definitely a big hole that needs filled immediately, and he can come in and do it. And when he's ready, they're, they'll make the they'll make the room. They'll probably put Davies, I would think, in the bullpen unless somebody's hurt, and that's how he gets up. But that was going to be one of my questions for you, and we'll, I will jump into that before I go back. When, just make a prediction here. Throw a dart. When does he debut? Mackenzie Gore? Yep. June 20th. I was thinking June 8th, so we're in the same ballpark there. So, yeah. Again, so you're talking about a Total half of gap. a year total guess i mean yep i feel like it could be april or it could be august yep you know i need none of those outcomes would shock me i definitely am a huge gore fan i think that there is going to be a day in the not too distant future where mackenzie gore is an ace potentially the best pitcher on the planet i think he has that type of upside unbelievable prospect I've said Kershaw 2.0 and all that stuff. I I really think this guy is like the best pitching prospect in a while, quite a while, actually. So I think that there's going to be definite greatness at some point. But it's, I don't know, how soon? It's anybody's guess. I mean, I redraft leagues, I'm not super in just because – I feel like everybody is kind of going for that a little bit. I mean, like there's, like I mentioned, Pearson, he's even much later than this. And for just strictly redraft, I like Pearson as much as Gore, maybe better. And he's good. And I can get him even later. So he's kind of the flyer I'm taking for, uh, for like my, you know, pitching flyer, rookie, whatever you want to call it. But that, it's no slide on Gore. It's just because everybody else is keyed in on Gore. That's really what it comes down to. If everybody was keyed in on Pearson and Gore was going later, I'd be keyed in on Gore. I guess that's the kind of Yeah, I way. think I've seen Gore go as early as the fifteenth round in some of these drafts. And yeah, I've seen I've seen him go higher than that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Bouncing back, you were mentioning Bundy. I'll tell you now, as somebody who has had shares of him the last few years. I agree with you that his price is nothing, and at this point, if you want to take the flyer, by all means, I'm definitely not going to be in on that, <laughs> just because I've been burned so much in the past, and I don't know. I th- I personally am worried that he's cooked. I mean, it maybe ha- have there been reports of added velocity? Has he found any velocity in spring training? Have you heard anything about that? I That's haven't. What... I haven't heard. No, not for sh- certain that I've. I haven't if, heard anything. If I heard that, I would probably change my tune because I felt like I felt differently about Lucas Giolito a year ago. He very similarly velocity looked like it was lost and he looked and he was just getting shelled all the time. And then there was reports last spring of added velocity to 93 to 95. He was hitting and 
I know there have been good reports coming out of Bundy, but I haven't heard whether it was velocity related. And if by any chance I was to hear one of those reports, I'd, I immediately will have regret not getting some shares of him. But he is in a new area, and he's out of Baltimore, which definitely can't hurt. But yeah, Richards is definitely my guy of this group. He's now in a good division to pitch in with a great park. Pitching in Anaheim was a good pitcher's park, but Petco is better. He's healthy. The Padres are contending. And I think we could see the best season of his career if he can stay healthy and get the innings. And this late, I'm definitely taking that chance. And I got to see him pitch part of the game yesterday or on Monday afternoon against the Dodgers. And man, he looked dynamite. There was a lot of the announcers were talking about him a lot during that game. And he looked good. Another one I like is Michael Pineda is a low ceiling guy here. What he does well that gets overlooked is that he's a really good whip guy. Career whip is 1.15 with a strikeout per inning. He's solid. He's not going to be a guy who's going to have a low ERA most seasons because he does give up the long ball. But And you will have to be without him for the first month or so because of that PED suspension yeah. he got at the end of the year. But there's goodness in here in terms of a guy you could plug, plug and play at the back of your rotation if you're needing some safety or if you – again, if you've drafted a Robbie Ray, this is a good pairing because he's going to be a good whip guy. He always is, he almost always is. Yeah, I grabbed, uh, I grabbed Pineda in the DH2 draft. I forget what round, but I kind of like him too. I think, oh. uh, I think Yarbrough and – Yanni Chirinos are both pretty good pitchers. Uh, one thing to just kind of keep in mind is, like in a quality starts league, you don't want to take those guys because of the opener. Uh, yes. For Tampa, I was consciously thinking about that in quality starts draft I was in. I mean, those guys are pretty good for like ratios, whip. Obviously, they can get wins on Tampa. I mean, I think those guys are pretty solid, but they're I know especially with Yarbrough and I even think Torino's too they're like the types where they come in after the after the opener a lot so just got to watch that in the quality starts league it just crushes their value if you can't get you know that sucks I mean I was thinking about that a lot when I was looking at those guys in my queue I'm like I can't I got to remember not to really almost mark them off your list it's it sucks but yeah I completely agree. We cannot have those guys in a QS league. Uh, Wally Ikebelseta asks a question if Johnny Cueto is worth a buck in an NL-only format league. And I don't know how deep this only league is, but I think it's got to be a yes in just about any league depth. Right, Andrew? He's a. I think yeah. he's going to be their opening day starter. Yeah, definitely. I, I, think, I think Cueto can easily bounce back to have a pretty good year. I don't, I don't think there's, there's not going to be, you know, typically a guy coming back from injuries like this. There's all kinds of innings limits and stuff. I don't think there's going to be any of that with him. He's 34 years old. I think they're just going to let him go as long as he can. So I think he could be decent. Yeah. I, I like Cueto at this, this spot in the draft. If you need um, just some volume, I mean, obviously, he could get hurt again, I guess, like anybody else. But I there's some upside if he, though. If if he isn't hurt, I just, I think he's going to get the volume. 
I don't think it's going to be anything where they're going to take it easy on him or anything like that. Yeah, I have him I, and took him in the end of one of my sub drafts in a dynasty league. And I don't, I won't have room for him on my roster. I just hope he gets a little more buzz because I feel like he could have a good year. I just, I can't keep him. I'm not going to be able to, but hopefully he can get a little more buzz and I can trade him. Uh, Jared Love Riviere asks how we see a late round guy like Ronaldo Lopez performing this season. And it seems that every year there are people intrigued by this guy and his stuff, Andrew. Give me a prediction there for innings, ERA, whip, and strikeouts. You don't have to do all of them. Just give me something uh, in say, there. I will say 160 innings. ERA 4.7 and whip ugly mm. 1.3 1. 1.4 I'm not I I guess that kind of tells you what I think of him I'm not a I've always kind of said with Ronaldo Lopez my opinion is if they just put him in the bullpen and let him just do it i feel like he could be a stud reliever but i think that they want him to be a starter and have this idea that he can be that in the rotation and i i don't think he can be so i think it's basically like he's either a good or really good reliever or he's a mediocre to below average starter whatever you want to call it and right now that's what he is. But I think if they put him in the pen, he could be lights out personally. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look like that's uh, on the horizon. So you're not looking at his fan graphs page right now, are you? No. Good. Um, the last three years, guess his lowest XFIP. His best uh, XFIP. I'll say like 4.5. 5.2. <laughs> Is his That's best right. XFIP. Yeah. It ranges between 5.22 and 5.75. What were his innings the last few years? The last How two, many? he's pretty much been a full season. 184 yeah. and 188. And then the year before oh, okay. that was only 47. Wow, 188. I didn't realize he threw that many. Well, Yeah. He's thrown a yeah. lot the last two seasons. And he's gone out there and been pretty ugly. Or at least, especially last year. The previous year he had a three nine one ERA, but that was with a lot of luck. Yeah, I want to say he has one of the higher fastball velocities in the league. Yep. And I just feel like if they just let him kind of unleash all that in the bullpen, you know, the short burst and some of that stuff just plays up. I don't know. I, I think he I think he'd be better. I do you know what his strikeouts per nine is last year? Just taking a taking a guess here. Knowing that, I know you don't follow him closely, so I'm it's not. Curious. It's I know it was less than a K per inning. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know offhand, but eight two seven. So you're you're yeah. I didn't know if you knew that because you would want. I mean, hearing all these things you're saying, you'd be thinking, well, this guy must really miss a lot of bats, and he does have really good velocity to where he should, but he doesn't. Yeah. I just, I feel like if, 
he was pitching in shorter bursts. It'd play out better. His K rate, yeah, his K rate would go up. Yep, I can see that. Okay, um, again, I'm not going to read off it. Everyone going down further, but we're going to talk about pitchers from 91 through 125. I have them listed in the notes, but. Andrew, who are you grabbing in this list in the end game slash reserve rounds? Gosh, it's a long list. I, yes, it is. Well, I know I already mentioned Pearson, so I'll just start with him. But he's at his ADP is at four eighteen. So you're looking at reserve rounds. Obviously, that's like round twenty six, twenty seven. I took him in. I think round 23 of TGFBI. And I think I've got two or three redraft shares already. Um, with Pearson, to me, it's just really one of those things that I look at the I look at the Toronto rotation. And if you haven't looked at it, go look at it. Your eyes will start bleeding within about five <laughs> seconds. That's true. It's it's like Hunjin Ryu, Chase, Chase Anderson, Tanner Roark, uh, garbage, garbage. You know, it's just it's all garbage other than Ryu. Um, I think Pearson, from the day he's called up, could be their second best starting pitcher, maybe their best. And I think that he's just one of those guys that the first time around the league, he has a chance to be completely lights out. I mean, it's triple digit fastball, nasty slider. I mean, it's just like, you know, obviously big guy, a lot of downhill playing. Just one of those guys that like a, Two or three, four years from now, I, I'm not quite as high. Like, I'm not real high on him long term. I don't know how it'll be in a few years, but I don't know. I just think that this guy, when he comes up out of the gates, is going to be really good. I don't know exactly when it'll be. I It could be late April. I've, I've heard late April. I've heard some people are saying they should just start him in the rotation. I don't necessarily think they're going to do that. Uh, it could be June. I mean, it could be a little bit, but I definitely think there's going to be a stretch this year where he's pitching in the rotation and, like I said, one of their better pitchers. So definitely like Pearson just as a late flyer. And it's another one of those things, like I said, with with Liz, kind of going back to tie it together with Lazardo. It's like I think Nate Pearson and Jesus Lazardo, talent-wise, are very comparable. I get that Lazardo is going to start in the rotation and Lazardo probably will get more major league innings this year, but these guys are going 300 picks apart. I mean, is there really that big of a difference? I mean, can you answer that for me? I mean, it's 300 picks. That's 20 rounds in a draft. I mean, I'm not trying to rip Jesus Lazardo, but it's just like, come on, you know, like, why wouldn't you, if you want to take your shot on a young per inning arm, I guess that's kind of what it is with me. Like we all want that guy, right? The guy that just breaks out and the young hot shot rookie that comes up, but we all want to have our hands on that guy. I guess what I'm saying is I would rather take that 
at pick 400 than at pick 125 mm-hmm. because there's so many better players available around where you have to take Jesus Lizardo. It's nothing to do with him. It's just the spot in the draft that it's at, you know? So it's, it wouldn't even shock of, me if they both were healthy all year, P- Pearson and Lazardo, and Pearson still threw as many major league innings this year and more. It's very possible because Pearson threw 100 innings last year. He pitched in AAA. I don't think he's going to be messed around much at all in major in the minors to where he could be up by the end of April and pitch his way all the way into September and have 100, 110 major league innings. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to I don't want to sit here and act like I don't see the scenario that Pearson doesn't come up till June. Because I do see that. I get it, you know. And I know that Lazardo's starting in the rotation. It's just when you're looking at these guys, like I said, I mean, if it's the per-inning hot shot, I just feel like this is so cheap. And I just – I'm going to have, like, a lot of Nate Pearson this year. And what I know – and I, I remember I said this to you just the other night. I'm like, if I completely whiff, it's like Big I deal. missed – I missed on an end game pick. I don't even care. Like it isn't nope. gonna, it isn't gonna change the course of my team at all. But if I hit on it, it's huge. And in the spot where you have to take Lazardo, you absolutely have to hit on it. Mm-hmm. You, if you whiff on it there, you're screwed. You know, like you have to make it up in other ways. And there's just no risk here. So that's why I love Pearson. Um, I've drafted Gosman. I could see a little bit of a bounce back in San Fran, but yep. you know, it's kind of like, eh, you, <laughs> I won't be surprised if that's ugly either. <laughs> um, who else on this list? If you've drafted, Oh, I know you like, uh, your, uh, Jordan Montgomery here. Right? Yeah. I've got two of them on my list. Jordan Montgomery getting more appealing Going into this winter, it didn't look great for him getting a rotation spot, but with injuries striking the Yankees, he has a rotation spot locked up. They were just talking about that the other day, saying he's going to be in their rotation. So just year, three years ago, he had a solid 3.88 ERA and 155 innings in his rookie year. He's not a superstar, but he's on a good team and has a shot to be a safe, solid starting pitcher 4-5. And the other guy's Josh Lundblom. Guy I've been intrigued with after seeing a few other guys go to Japan and return with success. Again, he's free here or pretty much an in-game guy. Spring hasn't been good for him, but I'm still intrigued enough to take a reserve round flyer just in case. So Montgomery, I've got more hope in, and I feel like I can feel a little better about him. Lynn Blome getting beaten around. I really don't like to give much credence to spring training stats, but it's not good. I are for a guy who is not pitched in the bigs and get nobody's seen him and he's out there getting hammered hit pretty well. I don't know. I'm, I'm losing a little faith on that. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I am, but I'm still intrigued enough to take a reserve round flyer. Cause other people are souring on him too. And I'm just like, well, I'll take him. Leave him on my bench and see what happens in the first couple of weeks. All right, look at yeah, one there. thing. Go one ahead. Thing I, one thing I was just going to touch on that I I done in um, I think it's just kind of a good idea in like redraft leagues with Fab is like for example in one of my redraft leagues with Fab 
the very last round, I took Jake Arietta. And it's not because I wanted Jake Arietta, but because you're a Cubs fan, Homer. Yeah. Because (laughs) because, yeah, he's changed a little bit since then. (laughs) But um it's because he faces the the Phillies have the opening series against the Marlins, four game series. And I'm gonna start Arietta against the Marlins. So I guess the reason I'm bringing it up is in the last round or two, if you're just, I kind of like to use those last couple of picks in fab in I'm talking in fab leagues where you can, um, you know, not like draft and holds, but I like to use those last couple of picks on just guys that I'm going to churn anyways. I mean, you're going to, you're going to wind up dropping guys anyways. So it's almost like, why not get ahead of the game? Another guy I heard mentioned on another podcast was Alex Wood, which he's in this kind of area too. They faced the Giants the first weekend and in Dodger Stadium, I believe. So it's like you don't want to not make that move. Like why not just make it at the end of the draft as opposed to trying to pick them up or not being able to pick them up before the season and then – you know, obviously, I mean, you're starting Alex Wood at home against the Giants. Anybody, if if it was the middle of the season and, you know, Fab was running like normal, everybody's picking up Alex Wood for that start. It doesn't mean it's going to go good, but you're doing it. Same with Arietta against the Marlins. So uh, who knows how those will go, but I think it's just a good, good idea to look at the early season schedule or take a guy that's in like a position battle that you say to yourself, like, man, if this guy wins a job, I'm going to be glad I took him in the last round. And if he doesn't, I just drop him anyways, because there's no there's no real cost attached to a last round pick. So you can kind of just do whatever you want. But I uh, I like doing that in some situations. That's great advice. And I you gave me that advice and I did the same thing. I picked up Arietta. I picked up Vince Velasquez. I may not play him, but it was my 29th and 30th round pick and Picked them both up just in ca- just in case I decided I'm pro- I'll probably have Arietta in there for this for that reason. So yeah, you know that's great advice. You know what's going to happen now? No. He's going to get rocked. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Villar is going to hit two home runs off of him. I was actually thinking. Shot. I was actually thinking about it. I'm like, what would Arietta have to do in that game for me to not drop him? Because I actually don't want anything to do with him. Mm-hmm. And but I'm like. What do you have to do in that game for me to hang on to him like another week? Seven innings. And I was thinking, like, yeah, pretty much he would have to really, really dominate. I was like, even if he has a good start, I think I'm dropping him. But yeah, six innings, two runs allowed, five yeah. strikeouts. You're still yep. cut. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay, there. Are are there any other pitchers down this list that you're grabbing in these in these late rounds that's below the 125 mark? I ended up finding four pitchers. Have you managed to look down further and below, see anybody? You can bring yours up, and I will. Uh, I'll take a Scroll look through. here. I, I actually haven't looked too close, but I'll find somebody. And again, these are all flyers. But Matt Shoemaker with Toronto, he was really pitching well in April before he messed up his knee last year, missed the end of the year. He's back on the mound, and I think he had a good first outing here recently. I think th- I'm, I may be getting him mixed up, but I'm definitely intrigued by him in the reserve rounds as he should be back ready to go here at the beginning of the year. 
Taiwan Walker with Seattle, back in Seattle, just in case he's getting healthy and can regain some sort of form before the injury. I think he's getting on the mound, and he's saying he's feeling pretty good this last outing a couple days ago. I think he's worth a flyer. The upside's still there if he's not cooked. I still find it troubling that Arizona straight up released him, but I don't know. I'm kind of hearing good things about his performance. I'm not in terms of in these inter-squad games that he's pitching in. Corbin Burns, I'm going to go down with – I can't go an offseason without mentioning him. I, he blew up in flames last year. But through spring training so far, he's looked like a different guy. Six scoreless innings with seven strikeouts and one walk. He may not secure a rotation spot. I think it's more likely than not he's on the outside looking in, pitching in AAA. They've said he's not going to be in the pen. So he's either going to start for the major league team or be in the minors. And I'm grabbing him in the reserve rounds just in case he does get that spot. And if he doesn't, you can cut him and just watch watch him. I wouldn't even pay attention to what he's doing in Colorado Springs, even if he's getting hit a little bit, because that's a terrible place to pitch if he's in the PCL. And the last one, this is, again, one of those home road guys, Adam Wainwright with the Cardinals. Uh, stream him for home starts 2.56 ERA at home last year, 6.22 on the road. So you're picking up that guy. He may not even be somebody you're holding on to all the time, but he's a great streaming option whenever he's pitching at home. He, I think this has been the case the last few years, but it really showed last year. So those four arms that I was looking at. Yeah, those were some good ones. Um, well, thank you. I guess if I guess a few guys here, uh, I I kind of like in a draft, and this is specifically for draft and hold because you have fifty rounds, and you're not going to be able to do this in a in a league where you have just seven bench slots. But I like grabbing Ross Stripling, Alex Wood, Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, some combination of those guys. Because I feel like whichever one or two of those guys is in the rotation is going to be good. I just think that you want Dodgers starters, period. And who they're going to be outside of Bueller, Kershaw, and Price, we probably don't have the most confidence in. But I do feel pretty good that whoever they are is going to be pretty good. So almost kind of like a handcuff situation. I actually have Kershaw and Price in this draft now, and I think I'm just going to keep going with it because these guys are cheap to where I feel like I can just take them and then just start, you know, the ones that are uh, being used. So I kind of like that. Uh, I feel decent about Zach Davies in San Diego. I think he could be better than he's shown to this point. I mean, he's had stretches where he's looked good, stretches where he hasn't, but I feel like he might be all right. Uh, Kyle Wright for the Braves, I think, could be in the rotation possibly mm-hmm. sooner than later. So I kind of like him as a late dart. And then uh, Edward Cabrera and Sixto Sanchez for the Marlins, yeah. just because I think there's going to be point in this season, maybe fairly early in the year, where it's just like, okay, let's see some of these kids and there's obviously holes in the rotation where it's not like they these guys can't uh, – I mean, they're their two best pitching prospects. They're both close. 
I actually grabbed uh, Edward Cabrera as my 50th round pick in my draft and hold in December, and I feel like that's going to hit. I just, I don't know. I have a good feeling about it, but uh, those guys obviously should have an opportunity at some point, and I think they could be pretty good just because there's some talent there. Yeah, good arms there. I like those, especially, yeah, Miami. They've really done a good job working through their farm the last couple of years and trade making trades and bringing guys in. They have really done good with developing pitching in the last few years to where, yeah, they're very intriguing. And Sixto Sanchez and Edward Cabrera are two very buzzy names. I'd also keep a close watch on the Detroit pitchers, Manning, Scooble, Mize. I don't know when those guys will be up exactly. My guess would be one, maybe two of them, like around mid-season, but... You're definitely going to – those guys are added in every league when they're called up. Yes. So just keep an eye on all of that. I mean, obviously that that's kind of self-explanatory. But I, I think that there will be a point, like middle of the year, where those guys are the hot pickups. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, we've covered the pitchers, and we're going to take a break here and come back, and we've got some Q&A questions from listeners we're going to go over. So we'll be right back. Okay. Well, we got some really good questions here from listeners, but I'm going to start off asking the question, a couple of the questions I've asked with just about every one of these position previews. And the first one kind of ties in with Lucas Beery's question, so I'm going to tie them together, and I'll ask it in Lucas's way he worded it, which was, who's a starting pitcher that you have on the majority of your teams? And he says, P.S. Andrew isn't allowed to mention Robbie Ray or Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, that's, that's funny. But you're just going to, I mean, I would think you would pick Kendrick's or Hendricks' teammate then, wouldn't you? Darvish, yeah. yeah. Darvish, I got a couple spots. Um, Kershaw, I have a Strasburg. Strasburg's one I, I feel like every single year I have him. A um, little farther down, obviously, Ray and Hendricks. I mentioned Pearson. I don't know. As far as like guys I have on a bunch of teams, those are really the main ones. I hate to. Give That's the okay. Answer that he give the answer that he said not to give, but uh, yeah, I guess those are the main ones right now. What about you? Max Fried's definitely number one for me. Um, three out of the four leagues. Frankie Montas, I've got some shares of. Uh, David Price, who I've mentioned before, I've got quite a few few shares of him in redraft leagues. John Gray, I have almost everywhere this year. And then down there in the reserve rounds, I've got a lot of Josh Lindblom that I mentioned before. Shoemaker is one that's interesting to me. few of those guys that I mentioned there at the end, I've got them almost everywhere. Taiwan Walker, Matt Shoemaker, like I said. Those, those are the ones I'd mention. Okay. Um, next one, the pitcher I'm least likely to draft in a redraft league this year. Or maybe pitchers. 
pitchers I'm least likely to draft at their ADP. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore some of the guys that have gotten hurt since they. Yeah, that's not their ADP is just. Uh, Chris Paddock, definitely. I won't be getting him. Corey Kluber. Zach Wheeler, Bumgarner, Lazardo. Probably not Ryu. I feel like Ryu, every draft I'm in, though, he goes lower than his ADP, so it's probably being drugged down. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like I always say, once you get to a certain point, I mean, it's not nobody's mm-hmm. really that bad so the higher ones are kind of the ones you got to focus on i mean i'm not i'm not getting bieber either i guess i should have mentioned him even higher but yeah though that's pretty much it i ignoring like the sales and some of the guys that are banged up yeah i agree with everybody you listed i do have, i mean you did say lazardo didn't you i don't remember yeah. if you said him yes yeah, but Julio Urias, Blake Snell, and um, oh shoot, who was the last one I just read? Wrote down, and then I wrote it down so poorly I can't even read the name. Oh yeah, Jose Barrios. Those are those are some guys on my list that I also think go in there with it. Uh, next question. This is more of a strategy question. I am most likely to take my last pitcher slot in a redraft league in the blank round. And let's just assume this is a 15-teamer with 23 starting slots. You mean... I'm like a that. Little, I'm a little Where do you take your question. last like pitcher number nine? Let's say you have nine slots. Where, where do you usually take the last pitcher of your starting team like is is it the 23rd round the very final round probably, or do you try to yeah probably either 22 23 24 yeah somewhere in there yeah agreed it's a position that you're usually streaming guys in and that's why i asked this question yeah a lot of times I you're streaming and, guys in and out to where it's okay waiting on that position yeah, I try in like uh, draft in draft and hold leagues. I try and keep it as balanced as I can, like hitter hitters and pitchers. Because I think if you like, for example, if you start drafting bench hitters before you're drafting pitchers that are starters, the, you can just create an imbalance on your team. And mm-hmm. since you only have your own roster to work from in season it can just throw it off a little bit. If you go too far off, obviously if there's someone staring you in the face that you love and you don't like any of the pitchers, maybe you do it, but uh, I wouldn't do it much more than like one extra round in a fab league, maybe a little bit different because I know I'm streaming. Like I know in TGFBI, I waited for some of my back end starters because I just know that during the season, I'm going to be picking up guys and streaming them and probably getting crushed by two star pitchers. But that's just, you know, that's kind of what you do in leagues where you can pick guys up. You know, there's guys that are going to get hot guys, and you just get to a point and it's like a lot of these guys are the same anyways. And I just, I waited on my like SP five, six, seven. I just, I took them basically in the last 10 rounds. So. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. You on the, all that. You 
kind of can wait, but you don't want to let it get unbalanced. Uh, King Doe asks a good question. I know they say spring training should not change your views, but for, for, for pitchers to some extent, he thinks it does. Who's risen or fallen in your ranks due to their spring training performance? Either, so it could be either performance, new pitch, increased velocity, guaranteed spot, etc. Nobody really drastically. I try not to pay a ton of attention to it, at least not to where it affects how I feel about guys. The one that I think of when I when I hear this question is Urquidy. And it's mostly just because, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, but I just feel more certain that he's going to be in the rotation more than ever, like right now, you know. And it, there was a point in the offseason where it was like maybe, and now I just feel like with the issues with Verlander, obviously with Cole being gone, I mean, we knew that, but there's just enough questions there. I feel like he's absolutely locked into the rotation for sure and kind of trending upwards kind of slowly, but a little bit as a result. So he's probably the one it's nothing to do with performance though. I mean, as far as that goes, it's just wait and see, but I think his role is very secure at this point. So he'd probably be the one that's risen. And as far as fallen, I don't know, Chris sale count. (laughs) (laughs) Injuries don't count. Yeah. All those guys do. And yeah, I don't think hardly anybody's fallen for me that I can think of in terms of uh, if you're not counting injuries. Yeah. Uh, you said Urquity. I had a very similar thought with Jordan Montgomery. Same deal. It's a yeah. more guaranteed role now as compared to before. Uh, yeah, Garrett Rid- but I don't look at performance, but it is nice seeing guys healthy coming off of injury. Injuries like Garrett Richards, um, Again, Taiwan Walker being out there throwing now. If a guy has missed a long amount of time in the previous year, or sometimes in some situations it's even a year plus, and they're back, show they're throwing on their regular days, and their velocity seems good, and they're, you know, having good rep- having good interviews afterwards, saying, "Hey, I feel good," and everything, even if no matter whether they got hit or not. I think I usually like hearing that, so I will bump some of those guys up because I'm hearing that and some others who maybe are coming back from injury and aren't throwing like I'd be troubled about I'd be wondering about Otani regardless just the fact that if if he was only a pitcher and he wasn't coming back till May I'd be wondering why and I'd be questioning that a little bit but okay Uh, moving on we got Matt Mike Cangiano, who asks, if you are in a draft and hold and you've taken some young starting pitchers who won't pitch right away, I would assume Mackenzie Gore would be the number one on that list. Who are some later targets of guys who will get innings, especially early in the year? You got anybody that crosses your mind with that one? I think for this one, it's mostly I would just focus on guys that you know are going to be locked into a rotation spot as far as whether they're specific targets of mine. I mean, I'm not sure that a lot of these guys are, but if it's a situation where I have those guys, maybe they would be, I mean, just to name some off and I'm just kind of going down this list beyond about like the 70th starter. 
Disclafani, Archer, Keichel, Savali, Bunby, Hamels once he proves his health, Steven Matz, Cueto, Quintana, Samarja, Gosman, Gibson, possibly you could say Bassett, although I think he's kind of close to the back end of that rotation. Most of these, I mean, Alex Wood, like we, we said, Arietta, J.A. Happ, uh, most of them are older veteran type guys that you just know are going to be in the rotation to start off. And I kind of feel like that's what the question is geared towards, you know, yep. guys that are just, you feel confident in getting innings. There's value in that, especially deep. You know, once you get to a certain point, it's like, man, I could really use these innings here. And sometimes you really are. It's almost like you're just drafting innings. And then you just, obviously you hope it works itself out with the ratios and, a lot of times it doesn't, but the innings can be valuable in a draft and hold, especially if you leave yourself too light, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, so definitely. I, I kind of like getting some of those guys like that, like the Samarjas and Haps of the world that nobody loves, but they're just going to give you bulk, you know? So. Yep. Good answers. Uh, Kyle Turzinski asks, who would would love to hear your guys' thoughts on who could be a top 10 starting pitcher that's currently going outside the top 20? I'll let you start. All right, I got three. Frankie Montas, uh, David Price, and Max Freed, all guys I've talked about and pumped up enough this draft. I think all of them have that potential. Top 10, huh? Man, I... Freed's pushing him, I should add. But I think Montas no, and Price I, I have that mean, upside. I didn't mean in relation to your guy, the guys you no, said. I'm just, I know. I'm looking at uh, the guys below the top 20. And I know that there's going to be some get to the top 10, but it's tough. I mean, it's tough. Tyler Glass now is at 21, so that's probably cheating. But I'll definitely say him because <laughs> I, I think he could do it. Going down a little bit further, I'm kind of – I could see it with Montas. I could definitely see it. Um, trying to pick one out a little further down. Lamette? You like Lamette? It's tough. No, not top 10. It, it's hard I to get into I don't, the top 10. Yeah, it's hard to get into the top 10. I don't really see it with with any of these guys too much. Maybe, maybe Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah, there you go. Because I, I think he has the combination of, like, he's going to get the workload. Obviously, you hope he stays healthy. He was last year. I think he pitched 200 innings last year. And he has the K rate where if he kind of took just even another small step forward, maybe cut the walks just a pinch. Yeah. I, he might be my guy. Yeah. Herman Marquez. Ten. No, not ten. No, not, it's not just 10. too hard in Colorado. Yeah, I definitely think Marquez can return value on the 49th off the board, but top ten's tough. All right, I saved my favorite question for last here. This one asked by Helder Dos Santos. And he asks if we could talk about dynasty leagues and how you try to build a starting rotation. Helder says that he's in the second year of a 15-team dynasty, 
and totally ripped his team apart and the offense is coming along. He said that we seem dialed in and would love to hear our thoughts. That's a great question, Andrew. I'll let you start this one off. Yeah, it's, it, it is a really good question. It, it's, it's a little complicated. I mean, for me, it really depends on my contention cycle. I mean, kind of like where I'm at with in the process. I mean, if I'm in a spot where I feel like I can win the league this year or I'm at least among a handful of teams that could do that, I'm doing things differently than I am if I'm in a rebuild. In a rebuild, I mean, I'll just say it, I don't care about pitching. Like, I'm trying to build everything around bats, and then when I get to the point where I feel like my bats are there, I w- I'll worry about the pitching at that point. Because, like, I don't want my assets tied up in a bunch of arms that are going to get hurt when I'm trying to rebuild a dynasty team. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I'd rather have it like that. I'd rather have the assets tied up in hitters, young hitters specifically, but, um, but yeah, really then it's kind of just about finding the values, gauging your league. I mean, every league is different there. You can't really make blanket statements on this stuff. It's like, Every league's different. Every owner's different. Kind of find the guys that you like or you think you like more than the field. Maybe reach out to those owners, see what how they feel about them, and then based on your interactions with them, figure out, okay, I like this guy more than he does, and then it's easier to make the, make a trade with that guy and get – the pitcher at a reasonable price. I mean, if you go after a pitcher that everybody's in love with, I mean, like I made an offer just a couple days ago in the dynasty league for Jack Flaherty. I felt like it was a pretty decent offer, but I also knew when I sent it, I'm like, he's probably not going to do this because everybody loves Jack Flaherty right now. You know, it's not like the time to trade for Jack Flaherty. It just isn't, you know, Nope. but uh, the time was six months, eight months ago. Yeah. Right. And I knew that when I sent it, I just getting them on the cheap, it's difficult. I mean, sometimes whether it's like coming off of an, like when I'm rebuilding, I like to just find the guys that are undervalued, the guys that are struggling. I'm actually in one where, and this isn't starting pitching, but I'm in one uh, league where I've got a young team kind of working its way up, you know, through hitters and stuff. But I actually traded last year for Edwin Diaz. And the guy that I traded, the reason I did it was because Edwin Diaz was terrible. His value was way down in the tank. And the guy that had Edwin Diaz was in first place and he couldn't use him. And I was like, man, this is perfect. It was deadline day. It's like, I'm going to just trade for Diaz because I think he's going to be better next year, meaning this year, 2020. And I kind of felt good about that one. But yeah, overall, just find where the values are, reach out to those owners and you just kind of have to gauge it from there. It's hard to say like, do this or do that without knowing those things. You have to kind of get inside the mind of 
the other guys in your league and figure out who they overvalue and undervalue versus you, like what you think versus what they think, and then kind of use that to your advantage when you reach out to guys. So it's complex. I mean, I don't mean to make it so, it but it complex. really is. It, yeah, it's, it's very complex. There's no exact way. I mean, you could tell me, I mean, whatever I say about any of these guys, you know, anybody, it doesn't matter if it's pitcher, hitter, young, old, whatever. There's always a scenario to buy somebody and there's always a scenario to sell them depending on just how the trade partner values them. I mean, I, I know for sure that I've had times in the past where I've traded for a guy and traded him in a different league because that's just how it lined up. And it just worked out that way. You know, like somebody just was like, Oh, he just overvalues him or under undervalues the guy, whatever. And I want him at that point, but yeah, it, it is. It's, it's definitely complex. I, um, in my dynasty that I started up last year, I'm glad you actually. I'm glad you mentioned the finding value, especially when you're not contending. Just looking at guys who you're value more, because I did trade for Jack Flaherty last summer, and it was right before he blew up. And I drafted a team not playing for year one. It was one of those that I'm like, I'm gonna play for year two or three whenever I start competing. And all of my prospect hitters that I took hit. To where by the second half of last year, I had the best offense in the league. So, And I traded for Flaherty in the middle of the year right after trading for uh, Oscar Mercado. Somebody asked me about him, and he had Flaherty. And Flaherty was struggling in the first half, but I felt he was a lot better than what he was showing. So I found out that I ended up making a deal. I was able to trade a Oscar Mercado and Jordan Hicks in a save plus hold league for him. And it was because I felt like he was undervalued. It's not something that where I was looking to go get a pitcher, but I saw upside in him to where I thought, okay, this is the type of guy I can get for a cheap. But it wasn't until the end of the year when I realized my bats are ready to compete. And that's whenever I looked at in terms of this way. Now I've got the bats to compete and I've got to find the arms that's when I want to take my next wave of prospects that I have to go get those arms. I'm not going to trade my bats away to where I'm actually losing for my offense, but let me see what I can do with these picks that I have prospects that I have to try to acquire arms. And this offseason, I've made trades for Max Freed, Frankie Montas, Tyler glass. Now, uh, John gray. And I've also had, traded for when I wasn't competing a bunch of injured pitchers that I got for the cheaper I drafted in that startup a year ago cheap in Jordan Montgomery. I don't know. I traded for him last summer, but Garrett Richards, uh, Danny Salazar, which didn't work at Taiwan Walker. A lot of the guys that were hurt, you go get guys out there that you can get for the cheap that have upside that maybe while you're not competing, maybe they'll have some value a year from now, whenever you're trying to compete or two years from now. And if you're not ready yet, you then flip them whenever they've got some more value. And when you don't know how long pitchers will hold it. So that's a long story about what I did. 
And I feel really excited about my team going into this year. Spending really spent a lot of this offseason. Once I knew my offense could compete, that's when you start building a rotation and really getting aggressive. And before that, you just kind of look for value. You look for guys that you can get at a discount because they're either struggling or hurt or something like that. The other thing I should have mentioned that, at least for me, is pretty big thing with pitching is I don't care that much about age with pitchers. Yeah. Like with bats, we all want the young young bats, you know, like that's where, you know, if you can have those guys for the early part of their career heading into their prime, it sets you up so beautifully in a dynasty league. But with pitching, I was having this conversation last night with Lucas about Soroka. And I think Soroka is headed for a very good career. I I think he's going to have, like, if I had to peg it, I think he's going to have a pretty long, good career. Probably not great, but a good, long career, you know. But it's one of those things where he's valued higher because of his age. And, like, I don't want to... I don't want to forecast like three to five years down the road for any pitcher. I don't care if they're 22 or 32, you know, and if you can get a slightly older pitcher or just an older pitcher, not even slightly necessarily for a discount, like for less than you have to pay for a premium young arm, I'd rather just do that. Yep. Because, and, you know, like whenever it's the talk about, you know, like we'll mention stuff about, I know I have about how I have all my prospects are generally hitters. It's because if the pitchers come up and they're like a number three, number four starter, you can just like, you can acquire those guys in dynasty leagues fairly easily when they're already at that point as opposed to waiting for them and taking on the risk that they don't even become that Mm -hmm. or they become a bullpen arm or whatever, you know, there's so much risk involved with pitching prospects as they cross over into the major leagues. You just never know exactly how it's going to go. And uh, yeah, I just feel like when you're, when the pitchers are in the major leagues and, you know, you know, three, four, five-year veteran, whatever, and they're not an ace, they're not that hard to acquire. Like, they're just they're just not that. You don't have to pay that much to get them. And you can build, you know, pending the league, obviously. I'm just talking in my experiences. But uh, you can build a pretty decent pitching staff if you target some of the guys that are like 29, 30, 31, and they can still be effective into their thirties. So I just think it's one of those things you don't have to obsess over the really young pitchers as much as I feel like you do the, the young bats. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just kind of how I, how I feel about, about pitching and stuff. No, that's great. And I just mentioned trading for a bunch of young arms in this league and, it's really from knowing my league mates 
Because in Rotomasters 2, I did the opposite. I've traded for a bunch of older arms over this offseason. So, yeah, it's knowing your league mates and knowing how they value guys. And you, I'm glad you just said it as you started talking. I realized the last thing I wanted to say was, unless it's unless their name is Mackenzie Gore, don't pay a high premium for young pitching prospects. I mean, it's just there's so much risk with these guys. And I've made this mistake the last few years making trades for Alex Reyes, Jesus Lazardo, um, Lucas Giolito, who did work out last year. There are so many guys that were on the door, Brent Honeywell, of the major leagues, and I've just seen them not make it through injury or performance. And there's just so much risk with these guys, even as they're on the doorstep, to where you're better off having the guy once – They've they've actually shown it in the major leagues. Yeah, I remember when I remember when uh, the top four pitching prospects were mm-hmm. Alex Reyes, mm-hmm. who still hasn't hit his stride. You know, nor looking good anytime. Yeah, soon. right, right. Tyler Glass now, who obviously is hitting his stride now but it took a little bit i mean there was, it was a bumpy road in there yeah lucas giolito same thing basically as glass now bumpy road but he's getting there gotten there whatever and julio urias who <laughs> still kind of hasn't completely gotten there yet i mean and we're talking this was what was that three four years ago probably. 2016 when, yeah when, yeah and it's it just um even for the best it it takes time. And I, I would just rather, I mean, if there's something specific you like about a pitching prospect, it's fine to have one or two, but I would rather have those young assets just be hitter, just in hitters. You know, I'd rather have the bats and then make my moves for the, for the pitching one side. Like when I know that I can get, you know, like a solid, major league starter and give up a similar type guy. I would just, I'd rather do that than just hope that these guys become aces. I mean, obviously glass and Giolito, it's looking pretty good that they might be that, but you could Reyes, also gotten them for free about two years ago. Right. Exactly. So the, yeah, the ones that have a seamless transition, like Walker Bueller, those are, I mean, People might point to that, but there are way more examples of ones that don't happen like that than do. I mean, there's way more. If Lucas Giolito hadn't had that spring training like I was talking about earlier, I don't know if I'd have been able to keep him on my roster last year. Yeah, yeah. But then I I heard about the spring training. I think I remember you you saying, like, I don't know if I'm even going to keep him or something. I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm. Then I started hearing about the added velocity. I'm like, okay, never mind. I'm back in and excited. But before that, yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I can hang on to this guy. And I, I threw Dylan Bundy back two years ago. Same deal. If if Dylan Bundy actually gets some velocity, recaps his form and one of his late, and I threw him back two years ago in the league. And yeah, I'm, and the investment was horrible. So. Also, I know, I know we're going on long about this, but once your offense is ready, don't be afraid to trade some of your prospect bats mm-hmm. for the pitching. 
Yeah, because if you have your offense locked in and you feel good about it, like this team's ready to do something. I mean, that's kind of what the prospects are there for, at least a lot of the time is to help help your major league, you know, help your uh, major league roster get better. And if you have the hitters already, then it's kind of time to move for the pitching. So just something to keep in mind. Yep. Completely agree. You get your hitting there and then you trade for the, your pitch, your next wave of prospects to get the pitching. So great conversation. I knew that one was going to bring some real good conversation to close this out as we are officially done with our position previews, Andrew. Yeah, what a marathon. It was fun, though. Two months of marathons. I mean, we started this, I think, the first week of January with catchers, which, again, next year we're not starting with catchers. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I learned this year. Whenever we had eight catcher podcasts come out all in the same week, I'm like, nope, not making that mistake next year. (laughs) But we just got... Catchers, it's good to get it over with, but I know what you're saying. It's... A lot of the same stuff there. But either way, we're two weeks away from opening day. That's exciting. We're less than two weeks by the time this second half of this podcast posts here. So yeah, it's time to get things going. We'll do some stuff next week. And then the week after next, we got our big pre or season preview podcast coming. So I just started thinking the last couple of days about who I wanted to make as my AL Cy Youngs and division winners and, I've got some fun ones that I've thought of the last couple days. Yeah, I've been thinking about mine a little bit too, so it'd be good to talk about that. Good. I'm usually terrible at those and just thinking about them on the spot. So for me to be doing it right now, it's a big step in the right direction. (laughs) All right, well, any final words before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. You done drafting? I'm done drafting. It's all over, and I'm glad. I mean, I mentioned a week or two ago I've closed on a house. Between that, doing these podcasts, trying to keep my two-year-old daughter from screaming at me every five minutes about something different, I'm I'm glad to be done with that and just have one less thing to be worrying about. I love draft season, but I was I'm glad it's done. What about you? You got one going on now. How many more afterwards? Uh, two more. One. One is uh, it's my big one. It's uh, NFBC main event. It's a week from Sunday, Sunday night. It's a fast draft. And then I've got one the night before opening day. So that's a fast draft too. So this slow draft, I I mostly am doing just to kind of uh. Kill time. time. Yeah, between <laughs> now and then. Because I was like sitting there, I'm like, man, I got a couple weeks here with nothing if I don't do something here. Because so. <laughs> we've done so many drafts. I was just like, yeah, just how You might out. have this, a problem the, if. The thing is, is this one is just a draft and hold. And I mean, I don't care. Like, I feel yeah. like I could do a ton of these because really you're just setting lineups. So like, like uh, I think it was King and Winder say it's it's a half a league. So it's and not they're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. You haven't done a fast draft yet this year, have you? And actually, yeah, yeah, I have. I've done okay. at least one. I've done at least one, maybe two, but yeah, definitely one. 
that's a whole different game as somebody who's getting yeah, to doing the slow drafts and yeah. I love that format. It's hard. You got to really be on the ball with that stuff. You don't get as much time to just stop and think about and do research. You just yeah. got to pick. It can be yep. stressful. Yeah, it'll but, be uh I'm curious to see where I what pick I get and I've been checking like every day to see uh if my league's full yet, because when they fill the league, then they give you your slot. And I'm just really curious to see where I pick in the main event draft, but I, it's not filled yet. So I know one thing you want to be on one of the ends as do I most of these drafts. Yeah, I, I'm shooting. I think I'm shooting for the top. I'm in, in this draft I'm in now I'm in the 15 spot. And I, I honestly, after doing it, I don't, I don't really like it. It's just too, it's such a long wait, and on top of that, not getting Acuna, Yelich, Trout, whatever. I don't know. I just you're so susceptible to runs, and I don't know. I'm just the, I'm not really. A fan. I'm glad I'm glad I did it once. Like I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna try this, and I actually had 15, a little kind of in the middle of my KDS, not at the top, but in the middle. And I think for that draft, I'm gonna have it at the end. I don't really want to do it again. <laughs> Yeah, I've been at the back end of almost every one of my drafts this year, and I think it was easier before. But now that Verlander's down, Scherzer's got a little lat strain going on. We just we have quite a few of these arms getting hurt, and it kind of makes it a little harder to be picking at the end. So I think I'm with you. I'd rather be at the beginning of the draft now at this point. Yeah, I think that's where I'm leaning. Okay, well. We'll try to get back next week. I'm not exactly sure what we'll be talking about yet. I mean, Andrew, we've talked about doing your top hundred prospects. Maybe we'll do that. We got. I've talked. I know I've worked on my top hundred dynasty. We'll probably do something with some of that. Maybe we'll even talk about some news because we really haven't talked about any news going on in a little while. Sounds good. Okay. Well, we appreciate you all. Take care, everybody. Yeah. Take care, guys.